lot of things happening, but I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm excited about being in church today, and uh, I'm excited about being at Silver Creek Church, because there's no other church that I would rather be in this morning other than, rather than this church, okay? I, I like to be in this church, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. We've begun a new series. It's October. Say October. You like that, don't you? You, you do. I, you know, it was so much fun to post uh, on my Facebook page. When I got up Friday morning, I, I threw open the, the, the shade in the, on the back patio uh, door. I threw that shade open, and I think I visibly jerked when I saw the coating of snow, and some people in the west part of the county, they had enough where their kids were out shoveling on their decks. It was crazy. Um, I I had people, um, you know, I mean, they were just saying, don't ever come to where I live, leave it all there. Um, And I had some people saying, oh, it looks so refreshing. It's supposed to be 80 and 90 here this week. And I was like, I don't feel sorry for you at all. Not at all. So it is awesome to be here, awesome to worship with you. Our series this month is called Greater Things. And if the church, friends, is going to be victorious, and that's the church, whether it's the the local church here at Silver Creek, or whether it's the the large church that, that exists all over the world, If the church is going to be victorious, it needs to experience greater things on the corporate level and on the personal individual level. I've shared some statistics with you uh, over the last several months, and I think they, they bear pointing out again that here in this country, the national average for church attendance is 16% down from what what they thought had been 20, but closer examination, 16%. They feel it's headed to under 12% by the time we hit 2050. Uh, Research tells us that there are between 8 and 10,000 churches that are closing every year. What that translates to is that thousands of people are walking away from the church on a weekly basis and never coming back. That's what's happening in our culture here in America with the church. That we, we, we discovered that, that through research we know that two out of three churches in America, they're either in complete decline or they are, they are not growing enough to keep up with the rate of population in a particular community. Nelson Searcy, a pastor and author in New York City, he wrote a book called Fusion, and he said that in the first seven minutes of contact with your church, your first-time guests will know whether or not they are coming back. That's before a single worship song is sung, before a single word of the message is spoken. That's the condition that we find ourselves in, in the church here in America, in our culture. And as a whole, we would, I, I, would, I would ask the question, is the church in America as a whole experiencing greater things? I think we can say that there are some churches individually that are experiencing greater things. But I know even here in our community that there are 
numerous churches that are ready to potentially close their doors, struggling to stay open. For some, it's not an issue of finances. It's literally an issue of people. They can't get people to walk in the door to be a part of their church. So during this month, I want to talk about greater things. And specifically, I want to talk about greater vision. I want to talk about greater faith, greater reach, and greater engagement. So let's get started today. I want to ask three questions. The first question that I want to ask is this. What is vision? It's important for us to ask that question The word vision along with the word mission and the word purpose, they're very popular in our culture today. If you want to really um, do some some interesting stuff, just do a search uh, of of the the, uh, vision statements of corporations in America. You will be blown away at what the vision of many of the businesses that you and I know of, um, what they're all about and what their purpose is, what their goal is. You would be blown away. You might think their vision is to sell cars, but in reality, their, their vision is to, to really promote green energy. Okay, it doesn't, just because they sell a certain thing doesn't mean that that is their vision, okay? And so if you want to do something interesting, just do a little study on something like that. But the mission of the church is something that we don't, we don't make up, okay? We don't make it up and, and we didn't come up with it. Not a, it wasn't like a few of us sat down in a room and said, what's our mission? The, the mission that we have as the church has come to us from God through the scripture. That's how we have it. It's the words of Jesus. They come directly from his word. Let's just review a couple scriptures this morning. You may have heard this a hundred times, but bear with me. I think that it bears repeating. So here we go, Matthew chapter 22. Verses 37 to 40, this is referring to what is the great commandment. And the background for this verse is that someone has come up to Jesus and asked him the question, uh, what is the greatest command? You see, this guy wanted to prove himself worthy. He wanted to show Jesus that he was all right, that he was worthy of going to heaven because that's where he was dri- what he was really driving at. And here's what we read beginning in verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Everybody agree? Man, that's it. I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus was a master communicator. He, he puts it out there. He said, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. He puts it out there. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And he didn't stop there. He continues to go. Let's look at what he says next. And the second is like it. Do you get that? He's saying the second one is so close 
to the first one that it's, it's like it. It's that close. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. He just blew their minds. They were all with him on part one. Love the Lord your God. They were all, man, that's Old Testament stuff. But I'll tell you what, love your neighbor. Jesus took a departure from that because he's saying that literally the second one, it's like the first one. And he goes on and he said, literally all the law and the prophets are fulfilled in these two commands. He said, if you, if you do these, you're going to fulfill everything else. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And then we go to Matthew 28. Jesus' words here are referred to as the Great Commission. These are, this is moments before Jesus leaves this earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus spoke those words post-resurrection, but before he ascended into heaven, during that period of, of uh, 40 days, I believe, that it was between his crucifixion and his ascension, he spoke those words. How important must those words have been to him? And from these two sets of verses, we find the purposes, the mission of the church. Number one, love the Lord with all your heart. You know, that's what we're doing here today is we have gathered together to worship the Lord. As, and and we, we just call it church, you know. We, it's, it's church from the standpoint, not the church, it is church. Do you know what I'm saying? When we get together, when we worship the Lord together, we call it, we, we would say we're having church, right? Between, between 10 o'clock and 11, 15, or 20, we would say, well, that, that's church time, right? We consider this act of getting together, we're worshiping the Lord, but you can worship the Lord in a lot of other ways in your life. Loving God is worshiping the Lord. It, it, it's reading your Bible. It's spending time in prayer. <clears throat> it may be going to a Bible study. It may be taking a walk in this beautiful creation of fall time when the colors are at their peak and just looking at the trees and saying, thank you, God. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, Lord, that's beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for your creation. That's loving God. That's worshiping Him. And so that's first. Second is love your neighbor as yourself. That's ministering to people. That's serving other people. We talked about that a lot during Serve Week in September. And, and we have come to understand that God has called us to love. And when we serve people, we love them. This morning, I, I, as I do every Sunday morning, I prayed with the hospitality team before uh, almost anybody came through the door this morning. And we prayed that God would use us to minister to, to serve other people, to communicate God's love to them. So we've got to love people. Number three is go and make disciples. We need to be about seeing other people one to Jesus Christ. 
We need, to, we need to be about seeing them come to that place. They may start in a place where they completely reject that God even exists. They may not believe that there is any such thing as a God, but we, God can use us to see them come to know Jesus Christ in a very personal way. Then it talks about baptizing them. We're going to see that today. You say, well, what is baptism really it's bringing someone into a place that they identify that they are part of the body of Christ we talk about the body of Christ you say well how do I get into it well when someone asks Jesus to to be their Lord and Savior they're a part of it but how does the rest of the world know it's it's water baptism When somebody gets up there and says, I've asked Jesus to be a part of my life, I want to follow the Lord, and we put him under the water, we are symbolizing the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they're saying, I'm participating in this. We need to be about that. That's part of the mission. We need to teach them also to obey, number five. That's about discipling. That's about seeing people grow in their faith and in their relationship with Jesus Christ. These are the things that Jesus gave us as the mission, and the mission never changes. You guys are a little slow on me this morning. The mission never changes. Thank you. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The mission doesn't change. It's the same. And it's always going to be the same. But vision, however, vision is different from mission and from purpose in that the vision is the goal that we're headed toward as a a particular group of people. And vision comes from inside. Mission came from Jesus. Our vision comes from inside. It's what wells up inside us and says, I want to I wanna go there. I want to get there. I want to be that. I want to do that. That's what God has called me to. It's vision. That's the only way that things happen in our lives and in the church is when there is vision that has risen up from the inside. It's something that we articulate. It's something that we put out in front as a goal and that goal is what moves us from one place to another and it's called vision. Let me give you just a a very, uh, just a a very uncommon example but, but it's, you know, I mean, we've all heard of it, so I think it will be common in that sense. A guy named John Maxwell that, that uh, several of us have read a number of his books, he tells the story of somebody that probably has made an impact on, on most everyone in this place. Um, my, my wife and I, when we grew up, um, we grew up, um, you know, we went to church on Sunday nights, and there was, there was a problem with that as kids that we had, and that was because on Sunday nights, there was a show on TV every Sunday night called uh, The Wide World, what, the, it was Disney, 
wonderful world of Disney, okay? And, and, and they, you know, Mr. Stubbs, you know, I, and, and those great movies that we, we watched as kids, uh, we, man, we love that. And we had to go to church just as Disney was getting started. <laughs> Disney affected everybody. Everybody. How many of you have been to a, a Disney park? Raise your hand. Look at that. That's unbelievable. Let me tell you, you know, let me, let me give you a story, okay? Disney, Walt Disney had uh, a daughter or two daughters. I'm not going to look at my notes to remember which it was. But he lived in California, and he would take his daughters to a, an amusement park in L.A. And for some reason, he loved the carousel. And, and the carousel, you know, it's, it's awesome to see a carousel at night because it's lit up and that calliope music is loud and all the motion of, of the carousel and you get excited as you get there when you're a young child. And, and he would just be so excited, but the closer he got, the greater his disappointment was because there were dingy-looking horses. There was chipped paint. Some of the, the characters just, they, they didn't look good. They weren't sparkly. And, and the outer ring on this particular carousel, the horses didn't move. They just stayed in one place as it spun around in circles. And something happened inside of Walt Disney. And I don't know what it is that has to happen in you to say, I'm going to start an amusement park. <laughs> That's a big thing. <laughs> but Disney, Disney said this, I'm going to start a place where there's no chipped paint and all the horses jump. Now I want you to think about this, Okay. Because that vision made a huge impact. There are 12 Disney parks around the world. Okay? There are two in China. I want you to think about that. He had a vision that led to that happening. Tokyo, Japan... Uh, Paris, France, Hong Kong, China, and soon Shanghai. So why, question two, why do we need vision? Vision comes from the inside. It's something that rises up in our hearts, but why, why does the church need vision? Now I'm telling you that the church should not be in the entertainment industry. Okay, that's not what we're, we're, we're not trying to be the Disney of the church world. Okay, that shouldn't happen. But I want you to stick with Mr. Disney here for just a moment. Because <clears throat> I want to ask you, how big of an impact did his vision have? Okay, I already told you they have 12 around the world. In 2017, worldwide, 150 million people visited those parks. 150 million. That's incredible. In 2016, 
their gross revenue was $54 billion and their net income after expenses was $9.6 billion. It costs, from the research that I did, somebody's going to tell me that I'm wrong and that this is way too low, but to go into one of their parks is anywhere from 108 to $201. Now, maybe you found something that's cheaper than that or more expensive than that, but the point is it costs a lot. And I don't think people would pay that much for a park that has chipped paint and horses that don't jump. Are you with me? I want you to compare that, okay? Now, I'm going to admit that I haven't been to this place. But let's compare it to a place that I know many of you have been. Many of you, including my wife, have taken your kids when they were little there, but Bay Beach. Does Bay Beach have any chipped paint? Does Bay Beach have any rides where the horses might not jump or the car doesn't work exactly the way it's supposed to? When my kids were little, honey, what did it cost for a ride at Bay Beach? 25 cents, she said, is what it costs for a ride. That is my kind of amusement park as a parent. (laughs) Forget this 200 bucks a person. Here's my quarter. Take my kid on a ride. (laughs) Okay? And, 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 but, but it's totally acceptable. Why? Because you're not charging $200 for the day. You're charging a cost that's appropriate for what you're giving them. Disney is looking at something that's completely different. That's the reason that his vision is so important is something that we call the second law of thermodynamics. It's a scientific law, a principle that we are familiar with. We see it every day. Let me give you an example. You, if, depending on the age of your children, you clean your children's room or you tell them to clean their room and you inspect it and you find that it is clean, okay? That's an assumption. I realize <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> it's unfounded on so many levels, But work with me, okay? So either you clean the room or they clean the room and it's clean, okay? They're at school. They come home from school. Five minutes after they're home from school, you walk into their rooms. A bomb has blown up, okay? That is the second law of thermodynamics at work. Everything is descending naturally into a state of chaos. Okay? That's what it is. That is the second law of thermodynamics at work. It's, a uni- it's, it's, it's literally a universal law of decay. Okay? I know I've had children that their rooms does smell like decay, so that is an appropriate word. But it's ultimately the cause of why everything falls apart and disintegrates over time. In other words, material stuff is not eternal. Everything appears to change eventually and chaos increases. Take my 2001 red Chevy pickup, please. I I bought it seven or eight years ago, honey. I was so excited. A friend of mine who's a dealer, found it in Flint. 
okay? And, and I, I, I've only gone to Flint for car stuff. That's the only reason I've ever gone to Flint. And I'm t- he brought this car, he found it, he sent me a picture, he brought it here to Marquette. It was, it's a 2001. There was not an ounce of rust on it anywhere. Not even any oxidizing on it. The guy that had owned it, it had been in his shop, in the garage, inside, for four years and not driven. It had, it had one of those high-performance mufflers. It had aggressive tires. I was in love from the word go. She's right outside, okay. <laughs> the muffler's just hanging there. The new one's been in the back seat of my truck for a month. And the rust on those rocker panels, there's, let's just face it, there are no rocker panels anymore. <laughs> it's just rust. If it wasn't for John Pritchett, my tailgate would be laying in a downward position, unable to latch. That truck... I've enjoyed that truck, but that thing is going to rust right out from underneath me. Why? Salt. (laughs) But it's not going to last. It is in a constant state of decay. That's what everything is in. I want you to get this now, because I'm going somewhere with this. Disney opened his first park Disneyland in Anaheim, California in 1955. He died in 1966 before the second park, which was Epcot, was ever opened. Okay? So the only park that he was over from start to finish was Disneyland. Everything else, someone else did it. Someone else oversaw it. Someone else was the final say. Okay? Let that sink in for just a moment. Who had the vision? Disney did. No chipped paint. All the horses jump. How did this company continue to grow and expand? It was his vision. Proverbs 29, 18, the King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. The Hebrew word for vision is also... uh, very commonly translated as revelation. In the New International, it says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraints. Ellicott's commentary says this, no revelation of God's will when God teaches none by his spirit that they may instruct others. So when God's prophets did not proclaim God's word, what did his people do? They literally ran wild. They ran wild. In Exodus chapter 20, let me just illustrate. We have this narrative of something happening. Uh, God has just used Moses to deliver Egypt, or deliver Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. You know the story that I'm talking about, right? Uh, and and the, the, the real story is that God is going to give them the Ten Commandments, okay? 
So here's what has just happened. God has, has set them free. God has, um, he, 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 they, they leave Egypt after the 10 plagues and, and Pharaoh's army's coming after them. God puts a pillar of fire to separate them. They're up against the Red Sea. God opens the Red Sea. They walk through. Pharaoh, his army follows them through. The Red Sea closes on them and they die. God feeds them every day in the wilderness with bread that shows up like dew in the morning every single day. They complain about too much bread, too many carbs. He sends a flock of quail that are so big they're literally just picking them up everywhere. They eat till they literally can't stand it. They're thirsty and he, and he gives them water out of a rock. That's what we're talking about. Okay, are you with me? God says, Moses, I want you to come up here. I want to talk to you on this mountain. Nobody else can come. They got to stay down. Moses goes up there. Forty days, Moses is on that, on that mountain. Forty days. The, the miracles, I just, I just told you the miracles that God had just done for them. And within 40 days, Moses comes down after 40 days. And, and it's so incredible. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain... They gathered around Aaron, who was his brother, who would become the high priest of Israel, and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. They literally became corrupt and turned away from God in 40 days. The Bible says that Moses came down the mountain and look, look in, in chapter 32 yourself and it says that Moses came down, they were, he, he found the people running wild. That's what happens when we don't have a vision. We literally, as the church, we run wild. Paul here's what he experienced in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. He's writing to the Ephesians. He said, I am astonished that you, so, you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Someone told him, hey, you know, along with this Christianity stuff, you need to throw in some Jewish traditions, particularly this one called circumcision. That's really cool. They turned away from the gospel. So here's our final question quickly. Number three, why do we need greater vision? Because unlike our, 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 our mission, which never changes, vision needs to be refreshed in our lives. And if we don't have revelation, if we don't have vision, we're, we're doomed really to, not even to stay the same, we're, we're doomed to, to sink into chaos because that's what happens. And so we need, we need greater vision. This morning as I was getting ready, I thought of Isaiah 43, 19, where, where the prophet says of God, and God says this to the prophet, see, I am doing a new thing. That's not a new salvation, okay? That's not a, a, a new Messiah, but God is doing a new thing among his people. He speaks out a vision. He speaks out a revelation, and he calls us to greater things. 
He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-present, he's eternal, he's infinite, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love for you knows no boundaries, and you and I are finite, and we must continue to say, God, I need a greater revelation of you. I need vision, greater vision in my life. So we need that. Luke 24 records the events of the day Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus joined a couple guys on a seven-mile trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They were talking and Jesus said, what are you guys talking about? They said, are you the only guy in Jerusalem that doesn't know this stuff that's just happened? The one that we thought was the Messiah, he he was arrested, he was tried, he was crucified. They took him down, they buried him. He said on the third day he was going to ro- rise again. It's on the third day. The ladies from our group, they went to the tomb. They couldn't find him. A couple other guys went to the grave and they, fu- they saw an angel. Can you believe that? My goodness, there was an angel, but Jesus wasn't there. Here Jesus is walking with them. They get to Emmaus and Jesus acts like he's going to go further and they say, come on in, hang out with us, eat with us. And Jesus broke bread like he did on that night that he was arrested, he broke the bread, and when he broke the bread, the Bible says that their eyes were opened. They got a fresh vision of who Jesus was. And when they got that vision, they said, he is alive! And it changed their entire perspective. We need a greater vision. We need to know him in the power of his resurrection. I pray that God will open our eyes as a church, that we will have greater vision, greater revelation of who God is and what he wants to do in our community, here in Harvey, here in Marquette, here in Marquette County and the Upper Peninsula. God, speak to us and bring us greater vision. Call us to what you would have us do. I close with this, John chapter 14 and verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Friends, if we're gonna, if we're gonna get to that place of, of experiencing and as Jesus said, doing greater things, It has to be preceded by greater vision because no one ever accomplished something that they did, something great, something impossible that they first did not possess a vision to do so. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these men and women. Lord, those out in the hub, those here, in the sanctuary. Lord, even for the person that might be listening online, it might be six months from now, but they're listening to this and your Holy Spirit is speaking to them. Father, I believe that you are calling us as the church, the church that resides at 219 Silver Creek Road, you're calling us to greater vision. You're calling us to dream with our hearts. You're calling us to believe that you desire to do more in this community than you are doing more than you've ever done.
And I pray that you would use our hearts to get that vision to catch on. Father, work in us. Father, I I know that within the sound of my voice, there are those who are really excited to see God do great things, and there are some that maybe they've never thought about it before. Father, I pray for a new revelation, a new vision, that we would live lives of greater vision in our community, that we would see people come to know Jesus. Lord, we want to love you. We want to love people. Father, we want to see people come to know you. We want to see them grow in their faith. We want to see them, Lord, uh, come into the body of Christ and proclaim it for all the world to see. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.